The last thing you want is for something to go wrong with your plumbing, but it happens a lot. And the last thing you want when there's water spraying all over your kitchen or your toilet is overflowing is looking up reviews on which plumber you should call. So let me save you some time. Call the art of plumbing. They're always on time. They can locate the problem and fix it right away. They even help with solutions to stop any future problems. Save time. Call the art of plumbing today. 541-951-9405. Hey, come take a walk with me. Not like you used to do. Do something different and put yourself in other people's shoes. Open up your mind and open up your eyes and change your direction. Change your perspective. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I am so privileged each and every week to sit with a new guest, a new perspective, a new thought process. And uh, with that, I want you to welcome in my guest. She, of course, is the founder of So Pride. We're going to get into that momentarily, I'm sure. She's also a mother. She's been a business owner. Maybe you've heard of this little business. It, it blew up. It was even on MTV. That's how awesome and amazing it was. It's called Absolute Elegance. It's wedding planning. Where was she back in 2001 when I needed a wedding planner? She did that, of course, for seven years. She is now in the hotel business. Maybe you've heard of these great names. Hilton? Yeah, I know I have. I'm sure you have as well. The Newman Group, part of that Ashland Springs property of, of, of hotels. So pretty excited about that. And, of course, her latest adventure and her latest endeavor, which I'm sure we'll dig deep into this, Ashland City Council. Help me welcome in my guest, Gina Duquesne. Gina, how are you today? Wow, Neil, I love that. I'm doing great. Doing really good. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. And um, I'm just enjoying this beautiful day, and I'm so grateful to be with you today and, and have this conversation. Well, and that's what it's all about, right? We kind of talked a little pre-show about the conversation because sometimes, and I think this is where our culture is right now, and and I know you could probably speak to this better than I could, so we're going to lean into that experience today. But so many times, because someone doesn't believe what I believe or doesn't feel what I feel, we immediately have to say, sorry, can't have a conversation, can't be friends, can't associate with you, can't have anything to do with you because of whatever, whatever that whatever Mm -hmm. may be. And I'm glad that we're kind of breaking down that wall today to say, hey, here's a lady who has passions and, and uh, you know, excitement and things going on in her life. But that doesn't mean we can't have a conversation to talk about those things. Exactly. You know, Neil, I am all about the conversation because people kind of live in their little bubbles and they don't want to go across the street or speak to someone who might not think the same way they think or um, do the same thing they do or look the same way they do. And that is such a loss. That's a loss, a loss and, it's, and it's a lost art. People stay with themselves. And sometimes that's how come I think we need to get from behind the screen and, and just have that one-on-one contact because people lose something. We lose something in that. Um, and, just the idea of being able to reach out, talk to someone, shared culture, shared ideas, because at the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all the same. I don't care what we think. We're all the same. And when we get to know each other, 
it's it's like wow you put two women on a bus for an hour and they're sitting there talking they know each other's life story by the time they get off the bus beautiful thing i love that but if you put two men on that bus I don't know if there's any conversation that takes place. I have some real uh, amazing guy friends that are super introverted people. And I, I know uh, one quick story. We drove to, to uh, what am I trying to think of? We drove to Sun River outside of Bend one time with a good mm-hmm. friend of mine on a youth trip, a church youth trip. And I don't think my buddy talked to me until Diamond Lake. And we've been friends for like five years. And I vowed because we were riding up together. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to initiate a conversation with him. So shout out to my buddy, Nick on that. So Gina, before we get too far down a road, uh, I want to ask you, of course, the most important question of your life that you will ever answer. I'm sure. And that is this question. So you're ready. I hope you're ready. No prep, no prep time. Gina has no idea what we're going to ask her today. That's the best part. So here's, here's question number one. What size shoes do you wear? I wear a size seven. That was easy. That was easy, right? Uh It was super easy. So size seven, uh, is there a style or brand that we like uh, over another? The idea is, is right, we're wearing your size seven today, whatever that may be. And then, of course, what style and brand? I like um, sandals because I feel like, for me, I'm a barefoot type of girl. You know, I love accessories. I love shoes. But when I get where I'm going, I kick the shoes off. I like my feet on the ground more ways than one. And so I I like to have a comfortable kind of a sandal and then my toes are painted and life is good. Okay. I don't know how we're going to, this might be our first disagreement. (laughs) (laughs) I am I I don't know if you've heard any past shows, but I am a shoe nut, um, which is weird for a guy. But I'm I'm a shoe head. Someone uh, affectionately called me once. Uh, there's a lot, fifty upwards of fifty pairs of shoes. So sandals, oh though. Goodness. I know I have an obsession, Gina. We we need to maybe talk off air. Yeah, we'll and, talk about and, that and yeah. maybe talk about that. <laughs> but but I but I say that because sandals are the one thing I can't get behind. I just I can't. But that's okay. This is your perspective. We're we're wearing some yes. sandals today, and our, our toes are painted, which to me is weird. But uh, you know, my fingernails oh. have been painted in the past, so it's not too much of a stretch. So so yeah. on to our real first question, and and that's what I'm excited about is. You know, you sent us some information, which we appreciate. Uh, but one of the things that caught my attention in some of the stuff you sent us was this. Uh, leaving home at 14, what on yeah. earth caused you or what are the circumstances leading up to and then and then the eventual leaving at 14? What, did, what was all that about? Well, you know, for me, when I was a kid, um, I had three sisters um, and I was raised in the house with my sisters and my grandmother and my great-grandmother was a lot of us in there and my great-grandmother she was my person my great-grandmother she just totally loved me unconditionally and she got me and she understood me and I just I will she will always live in my heart okay um and my great-grandmother she died when I was 13 I was about 13 years old and, you know, my life changed. So many things shifted in the world when I was 13, 14 years old. And, um, I just decided that I did something snapped and I just decided it was time for me to go. 
my house was full. There was a lot of things going on there that was, you know, could have been a little bit more functional and it wasn't. And uh, I had an opportunity to go and stay with some friends and uh, my mom knew that. I was there, and so I just stayed there. There was no reason for me to go home. The person that loved me the most and that I loved the most had left. It doesn't mean that I take anything away from my mother because I have learned that you do the best you can with what you have, and that's what she did at the time. So I went. I just had an opportunity to stay somewhere I stayed there. Eventually, you know, back in the day, you could hitchhike and go have fun and hang out at concerts and live on the beach for a little while. I lived on Pismo Beach, some of the best years of my life. Um, I know that sounds corny, but we had fun. It wasn't really years. It was about months, probably almost a year that we lived on Pismo Beach. And we just had a wonderful time and life was free and easy. And until I realized I had to grow up and be an adult, which is really overrated. Um, But I did come back to my family, my core family. My sister had moved out by then. And so um, my sister and I saved our money, had a little, um, um, little bitty bachelor's apartment on Lexington Boulevard. And that was in Hollywood, California. And it's like, that's so cool to live in Hollywood. Well, it wasn't cool at all because Hollywood, when you're right on the strip, it looks good. But when you go off on the side streets, not so pretty, even back then. And so, but we had a good time and we did a lot of growing in that apartment. And it just became, when when I left, I was able to fall in the arms of a family that was a good family And uh, something that you mentioned earlier is that I never, if somebody said no, I ask why. And I've always been curious, always been curious all of my life. And for me, Neil, I am the third removed from slavery in my family. And being the third removed from slavery, I always heard how white people had all these wonderful things and white people had this and that and I just thought, wow, I can't wait to grow up and find out what white people have that we don't have. And when I got out into the world, I will never forget how I mentioned being on Pismo Beach and hanging out with so many different people and going skinny dipping in the ocean and people going, wow, you don't have any tan lines. I'm like, "Uh, no, why would I have tan lines? You know, uh, people where my hair gets wet, my hair gets curly. And, you know, people being surprised because, oh, your hair's curly. That's so cool. You don't have any tan lines. That's so cool. We always, it seems so many of us look outside of ourselves for something that we want. And we don't have to do that. It's kind of like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Everything we've ever needed, we've always had. We don't need to look outside of ourselves. So my lived experiences has really brought me to where I am today, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I just can't imagine, you know, as we also talk pre-show, you know, my daughter's 13 at the end of this month, and uh, and I can't imagine her coming to me a year from now 
you know, because then she'll be 14 and saying, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go stay with, you know, Patty and Susie down the street. I'm, I'm just obviously picking up names, random names. But I can imagine her at 14 being ready to be out on her own. But you feel like you were ready to be out on your own? Um, I don't know if I'd say the word ready, but it was needed. And all of my life experiences have gotten me to where I am right now. And that's why I wouldn't change it. Um, it, there were times in my life because at 14 years old, you're still a child. I have a granddaughter who's 14 years old. And if she said, grandma, I'm doing blah, blah, blah. I'd say, oh, really? Come, come this way. And I'd lock her in the closet and not put her out until she's 21. Um, lovingly so, said, right? You're not going to just kidnap, just for the record. She, she's lovingly yeah, saying no. that. Okay, all right. Just lovingly say saying it. Lovingly saying no, it. I would, I would never do that to my granddaughter, but I would definitely ask her why. You know, how we mentioned that. Why? Why? Where, where? Where's your heart? Where's your head? How can you feel that this needs to happen? And when I got to that point, there was nobody for me to go to that asked me why. So I just took it upon myself that this is the direction that I was going to go into. And it changed the trajectory of my life. And, and here I am. So was it bad? Was it good? It, it was. And it's perfect in its own way. Yeah. Beautifully said, by the way, on that. So uh, you talk about, you know, being, what, third generation from slavery, right? Did I get that mm -hmm. right? Yes. So I'm I'm curious about this too. Have you had more uh how has persecution really played a role in your life? Persecution, do you mean by what tell me exactly what you mean by that? Yeah, I, I guess for me, uh looking at your life, um mm -hmm. I, I don't want to put a label on you, so I'm I'm really trying to like not do that without doing that, if that makes sense. So how let me let's define this. So how would you define yourself? And then we'll maybe uh, expand on that persecution question. Well, you know, when I get up in the morning, I just think of myself as Gina. Um, I don't necessarily look in the mirror and see uh, a black uh, middle-aged lesbian. I don't even like middle age. What is middle age? I'm just going to say. Young woman. <laughs> How about a young woman? Can we say young woman? We I mean, go. I don't know there your age, go. Gina, nor were we asking, but, but young woman. Yeah. All right. Yes. But just you bailing know, you out I a just, little bit. I thank you. Thank you for that assist. I feel, um, I, I am a proud woman. I come from, um, a long line of very strong black women and I get to I get a chance to, take the things that they've given me and share with others. Because, Neil, I'm a believer that cultures should be shared. Cultures should be shared and easily talked about and easily given. And this way we can find our way of connecting through our stories and our culture. And so many times we don't get a chance to do that. We don't do that. People don't want to be vulnerable or be cracked open and share. And that's when you get to the good stuff. And that's very exciting to me. That's one reason Chris and I, I think, um, hit it off so well. But to be able to be vulnerable and just say, yes, this is who I am. And um, 
I had an opportunity to uh, be the keynote speaker at Dr. Martin Luther King's Day this past January in Medford, and that was just such a wonderful, wonderful lived experience that I could stand there on MLK Day and share part of my story and how he's affected my life and all of the things he's done. That was so, so cool. I'm grateful for that. And one of the things that I said is so many times um, we as black people will say we are DOS, descendants of slaves. My own son said that to me one time. And so when I was there at that, taking that platform, I said, let me be clear. I am not a descendant of slaves. I am a descendant of proud Africans who were brought here and enslaved. And how has that affected me throughout my life? In so many ways, we don't have enough time. But to put it in a nutshell and frame it, um, I walk through this world with my head up and my shoulders back. And once upon a time, I didn't do that. But if I don't speak my truth and be my authentic self, then what type of example am I setting for my children and my grandchildren and their children? We all, as Black people, should raise our heads, speak our truth, and be ourselves. How better? How will you know me better if I don't speak my truth and open up and have a conversation with you? Great, great thought there, uh, Gina. I love that a lot. Also, so so many things come to come to my mind out of what out of those statements and in, in that um, those conversations that you were just having with us. One of the things that jumps out at me is you mentioned, you know, you know, being a black woman. Being, mm-hmm. I, I helped you with the assist. Being a young, we'll see even young black woman, right? <laughs> uh, but then you also threw in, you know, lesbian. So my mm-hmm. question is, in that going back to that persecution question, which uh, which area of your life do you feel like you've been most persecuted in as a woman, as a black uh, American, uh, African American? Uh, again, I, I don't know the distinguish there. So or what you know what? No, you're of, fine. Okay, you're fine. fair enough. Uh, or or as a lesbian, because to me. I mean, I'm I'm only speculating, but I'm I'm thinking there's probably been some hardship along the way mm-hmm. in one of if not all of those categories. So maybe you could speak to that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when um, something that I, I'll go back to the first woman, women, all women have had to fight for the right, and we continue to fight for the right. Uh, to be able to have equal pay, to be able to be heard in some countries, to be able to drive, to be able to dress a certain way, to be able to be independent. So women continue that fight to be able to have, to be equal to the counterpart. So um, women continue that fight. However, we've come a long way. Being a woman has come a long way. So when you look at me, you see a woman. When you look at me, do you necessarily see a lesbian? No. When you look at me, do you see a black woman? Yes. And so, so many times to put the three on the wall, being a black woman 
is has affected me the most. I've, you know, in in a little background that I told you or I gave you is working at hotels, and um, I've worked from hotels in Orange County, California, to Newman Hotel Group, and being in different areas of the world. Being in sales, and especially when I did weddings, I did weddings forever. I didn't think I'd ever stop doing weddings. But working with someone on their wedding can be a very intimate thing that's happening in their life, and you can't go redo it the next week. And so, so many times I'd be on the phone and I'm talking to someone, and they're excited, and I got the sale, and yes, come on down. They come to the hotel to do a tour and sign papers, and they see me. And some people can have that look on their face and it's like, whoa. And for me, what look is that? Gina, if I can, if I can jump in, what look is that? That look is a look of, mm, how can I call it? It's not a friendly look. It can be a scowl. Is it It a disdain? Is it a disdain? Yes. Total disdain. Okay. Almost like a looking down on you're not equal to be on my, my playing field. Yes. Okay. And so many times. And one time, I kid you not, one of my colleagues, her and I were coming down the stairs of Ashland Springs Hotel. She had an appointment. I had an appointment. My appointment went to her. And she said, oh, no, that's Gina over there. And <laughs> you talk about that look. I was like, okay. So for me, it's just keep talking. I'm the same voice that was on the phone. I'm that same person that you felt very comfortable with until you came here to see me. I'm that same person. And when I see the shoulders go down and the expression go away and the smile come on the face, then I know I've got you. So many times I think that especially the world, and then I'm just going to touch on this for a sec, is so many times I, I think that people have a preconceived notion of who I am as a black woman. They have no idea who I am as a black woman or who we are as black people. It's just something that somebody told you that somebody told you. And people, children have to be carefully taught. No one is born with biases. Children have to be carefully taught. And I see so many times, you know, these fresh young faces and this wonderful opportunity and hope. And I pray that they can always stay that way. Unfortunately, you know, things happen. They grow up. They live in their their communities and, and they're taught a certain way. And I, I, I read probably about a year ago. And then this friend of mine, Alan, shared this with me, and his friend told him that if black people could have stopped racism and prejudice, we would have done it a long time ago. Because we as African Americans, we get the brunt of that. And if we could have stopped it, we would have done it a long time ago. And just to be able to read history, because black history is American history. So just to be able to read the history and know really what happened and the reason why we are where we are 
And how can we cross that bridge? How can we have the conversation like you and I are having now? How can we create a, a safe place where you can come in and ask me anything and I can tell you and it's safe? And I can come in and ask you anything and you can tell me and it's safe. I, I just, I, that's a vision that I have. And I truly want to be able to create that. And we can do this in our lifetime. We can do this. Somebody has to start it. And I feel like that's kind of why I'm going into city council, because we can do better. We can do this. And somebody's got to start it. So, tag, I'm it. (laughs) And gladly you will take that. To be it, yes, right? and I am uh, passionate about it. I can tell it. it's coming out. The passion <laughs> is coming out for sure, Gina. Thank you so much for for sharing that passion. So I want to I want to ask this: What has been the greatest search in your life? Mm, that was a great answer. I mean, a great question. The well, it's a great search. answer to what you gave, but but yeah, but, but yeah. the question being, uh, the greatest search in your life. The greatest search in my life was getting to know me. What do you mean by um, that? Because because I, I, I I'm fascinated by that. I had a feeling you might say that. So so well, that's why I was, was ready was, for the follow up. Which was which was. What do you mean by that? <laughs> There's my follow up. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it goes to that my own self be true. It goes to what is the meaning of life. What And I feel like we are all at some degree and some points in our lives searching for something, searching for that, you know, what's going to make me whole, what's going to fill me up. And so many times we look outside of ourselves and we've always had it. We've always, always had it. A friend of mine, a very, very dear friend of mine, she passed about four years ago. And I would go spend Mondays with her. And um, she told me, she said, Gina, everything that I've ever wanted, I always had. And she was pointing to herself right here. And I felt like if someone is on their dying bed and they're getting ready to cross over, I think it gets real, real. And that's something that Gail shared with me. And I will never, ever, ever forget that. And um, I feel like when people, what is the meaning of life? You know, it's, it's getting, getting to know who I am. What makes me tick? Loving myself. How do you love yourself? Well, you know, I feed myself. I buy myself a new pair of shoes. You know, I you take, you go to sleep, do good things in the world. I, you know, I love myself. I feel loving myself is being true to myself. I don't lie to myself. I'm honest with me, so therefore I can be honest with you. When I'm honest with me, I can give you an honest answer. I can be transparent. I can speak my truth and be comfortable in my skin because this is where I live. I live in my skin. And and I know that being honest, I feel better. I feel good about the world. I feel better about you. And to be able to be with myself as we have been in this quarantine before, 
how am I comfortable? Am I lonely? No, I'm not lonely. Would it be nice to go, if I could have gone to go see some friends, that would have been great. I did miss that. But I'm never alone because I have myself. I have my thoughts. I have a power greater than myself. I'm never alone. You know, I can go outside and take a walk and hug a tree or, or you know, I, I just, I feel so grateful to be able to live comfortably in my skin. And that's getting to know me. What makes me happy? Being honest with myself, not lying to myself, not lying to you, checking with my feelings. How did I do today? Was I honest? Did I lie? Did I gossip? Just being a good person. You know, it's really simple, but I think we feel like we have to make it difficult. But being happy for me is such an easier way than to be angry and have resentment. You know, that's not for me. I don't know if that made any sense. No, I I think it did. Um, I, I, this is why I love doing the show because, you know, people bring up stuff and, and then I'm like, well, I got to ask about that. Right. Going back to that. Why thing again. Right. That annoying five-year-old why. Right. So, um, so is there any any tips or, or anything along the journey that you're like, man, I really sought this out or I really looked into this and I really knew that wasn't for me, but I but I continued on because this was, you know, better for me or anything like that? Well, any tips is something that I share with my son and my daughter is that when something is put in front of us and it's uncomfortable, what am I supposed to learn from this? And so that I can hurry up and learn it and this uncomfortable situation will go away. But, you know, um, I believe going back to the simplicity of life, it really is simple. But when things are put in our paths for, for me and it's difficult and it's challenging and it just doesn't make sense, afterwards, after all this passes, I know it'll make sense. But right now in front of me, it just doesn't make sense. I always question it. Okay, so what am I supposed to learn from this? Let me step back for a minute and ask myself, why is this person getting on my last nerve? What's up with this? Or whatever the situation may be so that I can learn from this and move on. Because I am a believer that life gives us lessons and puts lessons in front of us. And it's what I do with it so that I don't keep bumping my head and making the same mistake again and again and again, wasting my life and my time. And those are minutes and hours and days of my life that I can't get back, but I'm wasting it on this situation or person or whatever the case may be. So see it, step back from it, ask what, what am I supposed to learn in this scenario? What's here? Take some time to feel it, think about it, learn from it, and move on. That's awesome. It's great advice. You mentioned also um, along the way, power greater than yourself. What yes. is what is that power greater than yourself? And is that something that you had to search out and find or something you discovered? Or Talk about that if you can. Well, that can go back to when I was a kid, I went to Catholic school and uh, I went to Catholic school and we had the nuns and the hellfire and the damnation and 
you're going to burn in hell and blah, blah, blah. But God loves you. And I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would, if God loves me, why am I going to go to hell? Why am I going to burn in hell? And why am I going to be cast away and all this other stuff? And it just kind of didn't make any sense to me. Um, But then I would go and out into the world and see beautiful things and beautiful people and connect. And I thought there's got to be something out there or in here or in me and you, and and there's something, but I don't know what it is. But I totally did not get that from going to Catholic school. I thought, no, no, that doesn't work. That's not me. And um, so in in the search of getting to know me, um, I did, I felt, I knew that there was something always there. And my great-grandmother the woman that loved me unconditionally and she's still always with me. She always, you know, had a power greater than herself. And she would, um, my great grandmother, she could raise anything from children to fruit, to plants, to chickens, to anything. And she would always, she would pick up a chicken and, you know, a baby chick and say, this is God. So for me, it's just the Catholic Church, if anything, made it more confusing. And But I always knew that there was something out there or in me or in you or wherever. And so I have taken um, that, that, that meaning, that choice of a universal entity that loves me, that loves you, that loves us all. And it's. I don't, it doesn't have a face, doesn't have a name, it just is, and I know, and um, a friend of mine was just like, God, Gina, how can you have faith in that? And I said, you know, it's kind of like the wind. I stand outside on a beautiful day, and I feel the wind, and the wind blows across my face and through my clothes, my hair. I feel that, but I can't see it. I can't grab it, but I know it's there. And that's the way I feel about that universal, divine, whatever it is, power greater than myself. Okay. Yeah, I just was curious. Uh, Being a person of faith uh, as I am, I I just was curious, you know, kind of where you lined up with that. You know, would you consider yourself a person of faith? I don't know. Faith has a... I don't know. That's okay. Because yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't okay. know. I, don't, I, I have faith in what I have faith in. I'll put it like that. I might not have faith in what other people have faith in, but it comes back to semantics, I guess, and a little semantics, and it comes down to I, 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 I don't know. That's kind of a. I have faith in what I have faith in, and and you have faith in what you have faith in, and the wonderful thing about it is that we have faith. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you talk about, you know, starting So Pride. And yes. and why do you feel like that was a necessary thing to start? You know, and, and by the way, being able to speak on MLK Day, uh, that must have been just surreal. Uh, I am a big fan of Martin Luther King. I still am really mad. 
And when I say mad, it's a it's a fake mad. It's not a, like a real mad. But yeah. I wish I could have seen him live. I wish I could have oh, been in the the generation that got to see him because I'm fascinated by him. He would be one that I would pursue uh, constantly to try to get on and and sit with and and gain some wisdom from. So, but but first off, my my initial question, of course, was how did so pride uh, start and 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 why why was it necessary for you feel like to, to start that? Um, so pride, Southern Oregon pride came about, um, because I think it was 2008 and, um, there was going to be, I think it was for domestic partners. It wasn't even marriage equality, domestic partners. Anyway, there was a a law that did not pass in California in 2008. And um, at Southern Oregon University, there's a queer resource center. And I got this little um, email and was like, yeah, we're going to have this gathering on the plaza. And when this happens, we'll all be there and we can yay and cheer that if it passes in California, it'll pass in Oregon and da-da-da and Washington and sweep the West coast. So on this day, and it was a day and it was the month of May. Gosh, I can't believe I still remember that, but we were there on the plaza and I thought it was going to be tons of people. And it was probably about five people, me being one of them. And I thought, well, where are we? I know we're here. Where are we? How come people don't come out and play and celebrate and just, you know, have a good time, whether we win or lose, you know, the camaraderie of it all and nothing happened. And so it was my partner, myself, and my assistant from work, she came just to support us. And um, I said, gosh, why? And, And I asked the woman who worked at the QRC at that time. And I said, do we have a pride parade here or anything like that? Do we celebrate? And she said, no, no. One time there was something that we did at the park in Medford and it was really well received and everybody had a good time. I said, well, did you march or did you? And she said, no, no, we didn't do that. Um, And then another friend of mine later when I was kind of doing my research, she said that they did at one point march down the sidewalks in Ashland in celebration. And so I said, well, at least there's some movement. So that's good. And when we walked away, I told my, my then partner, now wife, I said, you know, I think, I think I'm going to do a parade. And she said, okay. And that was the end of that. So May came June, July, August. And so she told me, she goes, well, if you're going to do a, a parade, you, you know, you should get on it, don't you think? And because uh, we were just having conversation about it. And so I said, oh, yeah, that parade. Yes, yes, I'm going to get on that. I'm going to do it. And so I went to um, the chamber because the chamber has the 4th of July parade in Ashland, and it's huge. And I figure if anybody knows how to do a parade around here, it's the chamber. So one of the women at the chamber said, well, yeah, Gina, and you've got to 
go get this permit and first you have to go to the city council and get it okayed and then you have to, you know, go get permits and ODOT and bus lines and park and recs. And I said, okay, just give me a list. So she gave me a list and um, I thought about what month. Uh, June is always very busy here in Ashland because of uh, uh, tourist time, graduations. So many things are happening and I didn't want it to get lost in translation. And I figured that everything's so busy here in town and the chamber and the city, is they're inundated. So what would be a better time? And then we can keep the tourist um, season going a little bit longer also. So I Googled and I saw that October is National Coming Out Month. And I thought, that's perfect. So um, the second week in October, I went to city council and they kind of looked at me like, you want to do what? I thought, it's okay. I come in peace. It's going to be fine. And um, I had a really good talk with Mayor Stromberg um, off record. And I told him the vision and what it would look like and and how it would be, and, and you know, and I said, it, it, it will be fine. I have no idea how many people will come, but I felt like here in Ashland, we are, we say we're progressive, we're welcoming, uh, kind to everyone, and so why not walk the walk and talk the talk? I went, and that's my, was my first encounter with city councils when I went and shared my thoughts and my vision and what that would look like. Um, I sold that to the city administrator. I got all my costs down and I looked at the bottom line and I was like, oh my goodness, where am I going to get this money from? And a very, very dear friend of mine, two dear friends, they opened up their beautiful home and they said, Gina, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a fundraiser. And halfway, not even halfway through that fundraiser, are um, then and still the treasurer and accountant for um, So Pride. David came up to me and he said, Gina, we have over $3,000. And I was like, what? And he said, yes. And I was, oh, just over, overjoyed and so excited. And we just, we pulled off the first year and that was October, 2010. It was well-received, and some people, it was interesting, uh, we went around to some of the shops and some of the stores, and, and I asked them if they would put our flyer up, and they were like, no, no. And um, the day of, I saw how people had made their own flyers. People had asked people that are, were on the So Pride team very last minute, hey, do you have a flyer? Can I have a flyer? Um, the Mail Tribune and the Ashland Tidings, they were so kind. They gave us great press, great support. And some of the first people to come on board and want to march in the parade were the churches and the temples here in Ashland. And it was very interesting to me that still some people would think that to be in the Southern Oregon Pride Parade, a gay pride parade, you have to be gay. You have to be queer. No, it's for everybody. We celebrate everybody. Um, at one point, I had a group come, and uh, the, a wonderful woman, 
she belongs to a Mormon group. And she goes, Gina, can we join in the parade? And I was like, of course you can. Um, the, you know, just, I was just so, uh, just so excited about the support and the people who wanted to be a part of it. And people came to this parade and my idea, honestly, Neil was, okay, I'm going to do this. But then after I do this, I'm done. I'm going to go do something else. And my partner kept telling me, Oh no, you'll do it again. You'll do it. No, no, I'm going to go do something else. And the reason why um, it continues to this day is because so many people came from Eastern Oregon and far away and Reading and, had never been to a pride parade before. And I was like, you're kidding. And so, you know, we continue to march and we've gone so far or we've come so far since 2010. Um, We live in a world where um, equality, you know, for marriage um, has has passed and we live in a post-DOMA world and we live in a world where people are coming and are joining the parade and becoming our allies. Once again, coming away, you know, opening up their doors and joining the parade and asking questions and getting to know other people who don't necessarily look like them. And that's such a wonderful, wonderful thing because so many times people just choose to look the other way. And then, they find out, oh, you know what, my neighbors are gay or so-and-so has two mommies or whatever. And it's at the end of the day, we're all the same. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I was curious, and, and you answered a lot of my questions on how it, you know, got started and why it got started and the reason behind it all. That's That's incredible. It was very exciting times, and now it's just grown and grown, and we have so many people who come each year to be a part of the parade. So it's grown, and and people come and celebrate and enjoy. And at one point, um, the then Secretary of State, uh, who's now Governor Kate Brown, she was our Grand Marshal. The mayor's been our Grand Marshal the artistic directors from Bill Roush to Nataki Garrett. She's been our grand marshal and we've just had so many different diverse people um, being a part of the parade. It's really, really exciting. However, this year would have been 10 years and we'll probably have to celebrate next year. Stinking Corona wrecking everyone's yes. lives. Yes. We're yeah. still we're still on the mend from that. I feel like in so many ways. Yeah, and you know we we might be for a little while, but opening up slowly and cautiously, and everybody being accountable and doing the right things, not for ourselves, for others. And um, you know this will be on the other side for sure. So going back to MLK, what would you say to him if you had an opportunity to to somehow sit with him if if the shooter didn't take his life. What would you sit down and talk to him about if you had an opportunity? Gosh, if Dr. King were still alive today, I would love to break bread with that man. I would love to thank him. I would love to thank him. And I think about where he would be now, where we'd all be now. Oh my God. Can you imagine Neil where we'd all be now? Um, 
I would thank him and I'd ask him, I would sit and ask him, how, how can we continue the dream? How can we get on the other side of this and stop this, this, the biases and the bigotry and where is our, and where's our, where's our love for one another? You know, are you, our humanness and, and how can I be of service? You know, I would definitely want, and I'm sure if Dr. King was still with us, we would be way on the other side of a lot of this, where we stand. Um, because I believe it goes back to kind of what we're doing right now, Neil, having a conversation, opening up ourselves and being vulnerable to one another and saying what our fears are, our visions are, our concerns are, asking the pertinent questions of each other. And Dr. King would have done that throughout his entire life. And just, I would ask him, how can we carry on the dream? How can we teach our children, not just our little black and brown children, but all of our children, equality and equity and, and love of each other and how this works. And there's just people are a beautiful thing. And I just wish we knew it. And, and, you know, the ability to love each other and to, carry on Dr. King's dream. That's totally what I would ask him. By the way, he would have been 91 this year. Oh, see, he could still be here. Yeah. I, he would have been 91. That blows my mind. We one, he would have been 91 that, that we yeah. lost such a great, in my mind, a great figure, not only in history, but in movement and in equality and still, still kind of bugs me that, 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 that occurred more than bugs me. It makes me angry, but anger just le- leads to hate and hate just leads to all no, kinds of other things yeah. for sure. No, we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. So as we kind of wrap up today, uh, Gina, I want to ask you about this because here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to step into my shoes for a second. Okay. I, um, I became a pastor at a very young age. I was 25 when I, when I became an associate pastor of a, of a church uh, here locally so in other words, what that role is, is I was basically like uh, kind of below the the senior pastor because I was learning still, but I was in charge of children's and youth ministry. And, and so everything that involved with that, you know, making sure families are okay, you know, checking in on families, you know, facilitating a youth group, you know, checking in on teenagers, making sure they're okay and loving on kids and, and you know, supporting them and, and encouraging them. I say all that because when I was 25 – my dad, and he's not uh, a person that goes to church a lot. You know, he says he believes in Jesus, but, but whatever. So he says to me, he says, boy, do you know what you're doing? And, and he didn't say it like, boy, derogatory. But, but son, do you know what you're doing? And I said, no, dad, tell me, tell me what I'm doing. Apparently, you, you know more than I do. And he said, you're welcoming and walking into a fishbowl. Are you aware of that? And I said, no, I, I, I don't think that's true. And he goes, no, if you're going to put yourself on a platform, if you're going to put yourself out there in a public setting— especially a church setting, you're now welcome to the fishbowl. Everyone is going to look at you. Everyone is going to watch your movement. Everyone is going to critique everything you say and do and everything. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But that happened. <laughs> he, he was right. I hate to admit it. Oh, still at 40 years old, my dad was, you know, now, now looking back, my dad was right when I was 25 and I'm 40 now and he's so right on so many other things. But I say that because when 
you know, uh, you referred to Chris earlier. Chris was, uh, Christine was on our show uh, earlier. She did a great episode with us. So if you want, go check that out. It's it's an amazing episode. I know you probably checked it out, but I'm telling other people if they haven't checked it out, (laughs) go check it out. So, um, but she was on and she kind of uh, turned us on to you and, and, and got us on your track, which we appreciate that. But I'm, when you, when she said that to me, you know, Hey, you know, she's, she's, she has some political aspirations. I immediately thought, why would someone want to go into politics? That was before I even knew you, Gina, but now I know you a little bit. And I still ask that question, like, why on earth would you want to go into public politics? Because right now it's vile, right? I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're an independent, if you're this, if you're that, or you're whatever, whatever, again, whatever label you want to put on yourself. But why on earth would you want to go into that? Yes. Why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? I don't know. <laughs> now is now's the time. You know, now is the time. I did not want to wait my turn. I took my turn. Now is the time. I see here in Ashland, um, I love Ashland, and I am running for the people. I... And the kind of person that's very hands-on and boots on the ground. And I will listen to my constituents from the people who running or who are running small businesses, retails, wineries, restaurants, to the people who are unhoused. I will champion the social justice and things that are out there that they seem to have a gap where there's... Um, Government over here, people over there, questions that aren't answered. I will ask the questions. I believe in transparency and honesty. I want to know what what's going on in, I want to get steeped into local government so that I can see the ins and the outs and connect things and connect people. Um, I know that in 1997, there was a flood that happened here in Ashland, and it was a surprise, like this pandemic was to everyone. However, um, I believe the pandemic is way more catastrophic. Why didn't we have a reserve fund set aside? Why didn't we have something set aside that, once again, it goes back to learning those lessons learn from those lessons and what am I supposed to learn from this and then make it happen and move on to be able. So it happened once now, now it's happened globally and to be able to have some type of reserve set aside so that we can take care of our own in times of need so that local government can step up and be supportive because at a federal level, especially with a global pandemic, where is Ashland on that federal level? How can we come back and recoup from this and have a robust uh, economy? Because Ashland is a tourist town. We need our tourists. We need a strategic plan that we could sit down and say, okay, this is what we're going to do and collaborate with all of our constituents so that everyone knows that this is where we're going to start. This is where we'll be in the middle. And this is where we're going to end to be able to sit down and speak to people and put that together and put it out there and have the buy-in 
by all the residents in Ashland, what can we do to get on the other side? To let people know that there is a plan, there's a strategy, and we're moving forward and we're doing something about it. Because at the end of the day, we might have the small businesses, but we have the people of Ashland who are running these businesses who need to put food on the table and pay their bills and pay for their rent or their mortgage or take care of their families. That's what we want to do. And, you know, I know that you said, why, why now? And at one point I even thought to myself, hmm, government, do I want to do that? To thine own self be true. I looked at myself and I thought, hmm, do I want to do that? And I came back with an answer. Yes, I do. And now is the time. And I, I look at, I want to bring us together. I, I'm a visionary. I can't help myself. Um, and I'm a curious visionary. So I want to be able to stand up for the people and and do the things that I feel like are missing. The um, to be, I just I when you look at it, Neil, and the the gap that I feel and the sense that I get when people don't have the proper answers and where's our local government in time of emergency? How can I be more hands-on? Where do I go to get the resources and what we need? And there are, you know, in all honesty, there are um, avenues out there where people can go online and they can find answers or maybe not get to the, the question I get to the answer they're looking for for their question, but um, there are some people who are very hands-on, and then there's people that aren't are not. And I want to be able to bridge that gap and open that door and be there for the people of Ashland. There's so many beautiful things about Ashland, and I champion um, the things like social justice and climate control and. 5G towers. Um, I don't. I don't want 5G towers in Ashland. I don't. I don't think that that's a necessity. There's so many different things that I could go on and on about that. I know we can do better, and um, that's why. That's my why. I know we can do better. One of my favorite quotes of all time is to do anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Wow. Wow. I, I did like not say that. that. That is pretty profound though, right? To give anything yeah. less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. That was Steve Prefontaine, by the way. He's an Oregon runner from the University of Oregon. So there you go. Oh, that, that, that's wonderful. I so appreciate that. And- <laughs> I share that because you had this amazing quote too, right? To thine self be true, right? You've said it twice now. So it must be like resonating with you all the time. All the time, all the time. And um, it, to me, it's, it's, it is a gift. We all have gifts. And to be able to live that gift, exercise the rights that we have to bring new lived experiences to the table and to the light. And sometimes I think we get stuck in our ways and in our positions, and it's good to mix it up. And now's the time to mix it up. Um, I, I think that for in so many different parts of our lives, we can get stuck. 
But when we bring in new opinions and new ideas and fresh blood, as it were, that sounds creepy, but to bring in new ideas. I like is, new voices. Can we say new, new voices? voices? Fresh blood yes. did sound weird. So new voices, a new yeah, voice new to the voice. conversation for sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm not registered yet. I can't register until June to uh, file for, for my run. I'm excited about it. I look forward to it. Um, our slogan is Gina for the people um, because that's what it's all about. And because Ashland is the people and we are going to make great things happen. I look forward to it. Well, we wish you, of course, uh, all the blessings in your campaign. And, and if people choose to, uh, to turn their vote your direction, you, of course, would, would love that, I'm sure, as well, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Fair enough. Not that we're on here to pro- promote a candidate because we're not. We're not in- no. endorsing Gina in any way or anything like that. It just it came up in our conversation and, and in our background of, of getting ready for her. So uh, so we're excited about that. So, Gina, we'll kind of close with uh, two two things. Uh, first thing, I have a closing question for you, and then we're going to play a game together. That's exciting, right? Games are always fun. Okay. So here's my closing question. When it's all said and done and Gina's life is over, not saying it's going to happen right now because we don't know, right? But how do right. you want to be remembered? What do you want to be remembered for? Wow. I'm pretty basic. I'm pretty, pretty simple. Um, I would really like to be remembered through my legacy that I leave behind. Um, I want to leave behind a rich legacy and I look at my children and my family and that's what that is. And the things that I do, because I'm the type of person that gets things done and I want to be remembered through my legacy and is a good kind person because kindness I think it would be my religion. So, yeah. Okay. Good stuff there. Uh, so you mentioned you're a mom. Do you want to talk about your kids at all real quick? Like how many kids are there and all that? Gosh. Okay. So my kids are fabulous and they've grown up to be amazing human beings. My son, he lives here in Ashland. He works at the co-op. He is wonderful and I love him. My daughter, um, she is still in the L.A. area, and she has uh, three beautiful children, my grandchildren, that, oh, my God, my oldest grandson is going to be uh, an adult pretty soon. That's scary. You have your 14-year-old. I have my almost adult. Um, and uh, my children are thriving. They are good people, and that's what I wanted them to grow up to be good people. Some people that, oh, I want my kid to do this and that and the third. But when you grow up and you're a good person and you have good values, that is what's important to me. And my children are stable and loving and productive human beings in society. And I, I just love them. They are amazing. Awesome. Thanks so much. I always like it when moms get a chance to brag on their kids. So there we are. So here's our game. Uh, it's a game that we like to call senseless. It's just meaningless and it's fun. But uh, we have these six questions 
on a uh, die, and I know you're in Ashland, and I'm in Eagle Point, so uh, we're we're just gonna we're gonna roll on your behalf today because you're not here uh, in the flesh. So uh, here we go. I'm gonna roll on your behalf. You have to take okay. my word for it. Ooh, I love this question, and I, it comes up so often. So here it is, question number six, because as you know, there's five senses, right? You knew that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some people are like, there's five senses? I'm like, yes, think about it. There's five. So question number six, we reserve as a uh, wild card question. So, and, and I love that you got this question, and ironically, you got question number six. So here it is. Dinner, anywhere you want, anywhere in the world, you can go to dinner, wherever you want. They're paying. So whoever this person is, they're paying. So first off, where are you going to dinner? And then um, who, are you, who are you going to dinner with? And it's only one person. Don't try to sneak in another person like other people tried to do. Oh, gosh. Only one person? Oh. Yes, ma'am. One person. Well, Dead or alive. Doesn't since, matter who. Since we, um, goodness, only one person. Well, I think I would go to dinner in the south of France somewhere, anywhere in the south of France, somewhere wonderful and a beautiful setting. And I would have dinner with my great grandmother. And what would you ask her? I would ask her how I'm doing. I would ask her for direction. I would ask her, how are things on her side? I would ask her, are my kids doing well? I would ask for her advice and direction and I would love her and tell her that she's still loved. And, <clears throat> and I would, I'd want to spend as much time as I could. It would be the longest dinner in the world. Um, and I would just tell her she was, she's loved. And I, I would, I'd want to know how are things where she's been too. Would she be proud of who you are? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. I love her always. Sometimes I'll be doing things. Um, and when I'm by myself and I can smell her scent, she used to wear this perfume and it was by Avon and it was called Paris. I'll never forget that that scent. I might go buy that right now. <laughs> Just to you spray it around. You can't go buy it. You can't. I've tried to find oh, it. Oh, eBay's got it, I bet. You tried yeah, to find it, they, though? They yeah. have everything. Yeah, they have everything. Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes today. Uh, we, of course, are super excited. We got to sit with Gina today. Gina, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And uh, we, of course, we will link all of the information we talked about today in our show notes. And so if you'd like to go check any of that out, we would invite you to do so. I just want to remind you, as I do so often, remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Gina and I may not always agree on everything, and that's okay. That's the best part of life. We don't always have to agree. But one thing we do have to do is have a conversation. And that's where it starts. So, guys, I just want to invite you back next week, of course, as we try on Other People's Shoes. Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes. I am so excited that we got to share that episode with you today with Gina. The reason why I guess I'm so excited is because of the fact that we had a conversation, right? Isn't that what it's about nowadays is having that conversation. I'm so excited that Gina came on, shared her life, shared her experiences with us. And guys, that uh, that is what it's all about for me is having that experience, that perspective, that different perspective on life that we don't normally get. So Gina, thank you again for coming on and being part of things. Speaking of being part of things, 
things. We want to invite you back next Wednesday. In fact, here's a little sneak peek of next week's show. Like, you're going to hate the answer. There's not one thing that you can say to somebody to get them out of the life of human trafficking or to prevent them from being trafficked. There's not. Traffickers are targeting vulnerable people. They're providing over a series of extended periods of time the item that you, as a vulnerable person, feel like you're lacking. So they're targeting single moms. They're targeting people in poverty. They're targeting marginalized community groups who have no, no community. And they're being those things to those people. And so it's this, it's this really um, deep, grafted relationship. That is right. We are super excited that we get to sit down with Becca Bender. And if you don't know Rebecca's story, she has an amazing book that has come out. I personally have read it. We're excited about this guest and uh, we hopefully you will join us next week when that takes place. Of course, that'll happen on Wednesday. If you're not sure where to go listen, here's a good hint. OPSpodcast.com is a great place to come each and every Wednesday for our show. If you're listening there right now, thank you for that. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, of course, we are there. And of course, just hit that subscribe button so you're reminded each and every week of that. Speaking of being reminded, we, of course, would love to interact with you through our voicemail and text line. That can be done at 203-548-7463. That's 203-548-7463. And if you're interested in reaching out to us, giving us some feedback, or maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on our show, we, of course, would invite you to do that, 203-548-7463. And we will get information in your hand how you can be a guest on our show. And, of course, we would love to be in your shoes and love to hear your story and your perspective on things. Just keep this in mind, guys, as we close out today. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. On behalf of Garrett... Our executive producer and myself, Neil Matthews, we, of course, want to invite you back next Wednesday when this all takes place again. And, of course, when we walk in other people's shoes.